Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvy, aka Danny, aka Mr. You Can Too. I have a super cool show in store for you today. I have my good friend, Tori Green, with us today. This episode is really cool because it allowed Tori and I to have a deep conversation around the spiritual side of Judaism and how things like Shabbat or rest can be so valuable to every single person. And it was really cool for both of us to talk about how our experiences with birthright really had us come into our own and start our Jewish journey. I think you all will really enjoy the show, and if you do, feel free to share it with your family, friends, and loved ones. I appreciate you, I honor you, and as always, you can too. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a phenomenal, extremely special guest in the building today. I have my good friend, Tori Green, who we very recently met officially for the first time, but I feel like she's been my soul sister for so long. Tori, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and yeah, I agree. Soul, yeah. soul sibs for a while. Soul sibs. I like that. We might have to put that on a shirt. <laughs> so one of the things that I love so much about you, Tori, is how you are this world traveler. You have this love for diversity and learning about new cultures and understanding that in order to love ourselves, we get to love others as well, and we get to experience their experience. When did that become so important to you in your life? It's a great question. Uh, I I think probably it all started in 2014, which was the first time that I went to Israel, and I went on um, I went on my birthright trip, which is a trip for Jewish individuals who are 18, at the time it was 18 to 26, now it's 18 to 32, and uh, you get to go to Israel as an opportunity to learn about the Jewish homeland, essentially. And during that, that was my first time traveling internationally without my parents, Mm. and I went with my brother, and it was a trip that truly exposed me to a whole new culture and a whole new lifestyle and then after that trip I wound up going back to Israel now 14 times Uh, and so um, sometimes I say in my heart I'm Israeli and I think through meeting so many Israelis and becoming friends with them and learning about their philosophy of life, I realized that the philosophy of life that we have, that I have here, that people have in different places, like that's not the only way to live your life. And there's so much more that's out there. And so um, I started just leaning into curiosity and wanting to to learn more about different cultures and um, see what I could take, what lessons and what wisdom from, from different cultures I could incorporate into my own life Mm -hmm. that's amazing I love how your first opportunity to travel abroad by yourself really gave you this new like frame of reference where it's like hey not every single culture is exactly like the one that I was accustomed to in the U.S. what what were some of the biggest differences that you saw in that Israeli culture that you found so so valuable so in israel at 18 everyone joins the army and that's just the way that the country works and so from around 18 to 21 22 these young adults are serving in the army and then once they're done with the army what what often happens is they will go work and then they'll go travel and they'll go on a big trip. They'll go to um, South America for several months. They'll go to Asia for several months. They'll go somewhere that's um, 
that is a totally new culture and fully immerse themselves, you know, hopping from hostel to hostel, traveling. And then after they do that, they'll come back to Israel and go to and start like going to college. Mm. And that's so opposite of the lifestyle that we're told to have in the United States. It's like at 18, you will go to college, you will get an education, you will stay there for four years. After your education, maybe you will go to graduate school and get another education. Hmm. And then you will work and then you will retire and then you will live your life. Hmm. And I think that... I. Fortunately, I think that a lot of people are starting to wake up and realize that that's just not realistic and that's a totally silly conception and and way of living. But I learned a lot about like this this pressure that I felt from society to be Mm. accomplished at 20 years old, you know, like. 20 years old you're a child you have so much of your life ahead of you and I just learned that that's not necessarily the way to do it you can take a step back you can you can discover who you are before you say I'm gonna go back to school and commit thousands and thousands of dollars to Mm -hmm. my education and get an education in something that maybe I don't even wind up pursuing you know Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I definitely think that that was one of the first, the, at least the, the most impactful um, piece of that culture that has certainly stuck with me and has helped me reshape a little bit about the ways that I, I see the world and values that I have and, and like what I want to do. It's it's such a powerful experience to have at such an early age because just like you said, oftentimes the way that we're conditioned here in the United States is like, yeah, you turn 18, you go to college, you spend a bunch of money on college, you probably go to college again through some form of grad school, and then you go get a job, you work, you retire, and all right, now you can enjoy your life after that. Whereas here, you really learn through Israeli culture, it's like, all right, first at 18, you go, you serve your country. And then after that portion, you have this time to actually go out and really live life and like go explore yourself, go explore other parts of the world, really start to develop this bigger side of yourself so that you start to understand like, okay, like this is what I'm actually into. This is what I like. This is what I dislike. And then from there, you can actually go about creating, you know, the rest of your life, you had that quote unquote, you know, adult life, as we would call it. And it's so interesting here because I'm 32 years old now. And I look at a lot of my friends and my peers and so many people are realizing that their first career choice is is not going to be where they continue to spend their time working because they really don't enjoy it. And they are finding out that, yeah, there's a lot more to life than this particular career or this amount of money that I thought the career was going to bring me. And I think that's fascinating because we do get to live life at its fullest. And I believe that we get to do that when we have like our body at the sharpest it can be. Our mind is the sharpest that it can be. And we have all this energy from being young. And I'm really, really happy that you got to experience that at such a young age. How do you feel that that experience has shaped like your early 20s and going into how how old are you now Tori I'm 26 26 so from that part of like your early 20s now into your mid 20s how do you feel like that experience has changed how you view your life and your trajectory yeah so I think another like I wasn't outwardly told that this is you know this is the philosophy of life I think that a lot of these were just or my discoveries were observations that I had and then um, sort of meaning-making out of my own observations, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a a piece that is so important and um, resonates with me is this idea that it's never too late because Mm -hmm. I also think that we are told, you know, in, in, in American society, we're told 
if you don't go through all the way right away, then it's too late. You don't want to be 30 years old and going back to school, (laughs) you know? And that's a, a little bit, or like, you've already started a family. You don't need to go back and get an education or get a degree. Or if you want to change your career path, well, you've already like spent so many years working on this career path. So why are you going to change it? And, and I think that this idea that, number one, allowing yourself to discover who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So I've gone on a ton of trips <laughs> since... Um, since that I've been to, I went backpacking in Africa for three weeks, which was like an unbelievable journey. Mm. I went to the Galapagos in Ecuador. I've been to Israel more times than I can count. I went to Jordan. Um, I've had the opportunity to see a lot of the world. And I think that that definitely stems from the curiosity from that first trip and also, oh, I went to also went to Poland, and um, I think that the other side is that realizing, you know, right now I'm I'm applying to go to graduate school, and I'm 26, and there's part of me that's like, oh my goodness, this is a five year program, and I'm gonna be 32 or 33 when I finish, but this is what I need to do in order to go on my soul path, you know, be doing what I want to do. And so the confidence that it's not too late because it's never too late Mm -hmm. is certainly derived from, um, from my travels and from seeing other cultures. Mm, That's so powerful. And I, and I love what you say about it never being too late because that's exactly how I look at my life and everyone else's lives I'm in contact with. It's like, you can literally reinvent yourself at any time. And whether that's as a 26 year old, a 40 year old, or a 60 year old, right? The more and more that a person understands themselves and learns about themselves, the more that that person gets to go ahead and really create the life that they want at that time, instead of waiting or falling to these societal norms that are out there. Right, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think sometimes we, we get stuck in, or we don't get stuck in our ways necessarily, but we get stuck in the thought that I can't change now, or Mm. I've already spent so much time focusing on this. What, what if, like, I don't, I don't want to be a beginner again. And, you know, I, um, I work with teens as a song leader in the, in the Jewish space. And one time um, I was speaking to one of the teens and he was deciding which program or which college he wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, do I stay in state or do I go out of state? I really want to go out of state, but I've already established so many connections in state that I think that it would be, you know, it would be better for me to to stay in state. And I said, let me tell you something. This is something I've, I've realized at my, my young 26 years of life. Um, <laughs> life is a continuous cycle of becoming a freshman again. Mm. And the only way to grow is to become a freshman again. Like we can grow within, you know, as we, as we continuing level, as we continue leveling up, right? That's like mm-hmm. the, the popular TikTok right now that level up level up Um, (laughs) but if we allow ourselves to become a a newbie again then that's where we will really see growth Mm. continuously becoming a newbie and just enjoying that enjoying being new you know absolutely there's so much learning in that it's it's very much like what i learned in like my mindfulness practice of always having a child uh a child's mind or like a beginner's mind yeah because that's where the learning is and and it's funny when I do a lot of work with my clients it really does start with embracing and embodying this beginner's mind because oftentimes it's our our self-limiting beliefs that are stuck in some type of rooted belief that's not serving the individual so I love how you're able to go to that teen and and, and let them know like hey you can 
understand that you're going to be a learner and you're going to be getting educated for the rest of your life. So don't think that you've already made it and you should just stay here where your connections are because there's so many connections out there to be had. And I'm really grateful that you and I have gotten to have the connection that we have in such a short period of time. I, I tell a, a lot of people know now that, you know, my birthright experience for me has been life changing and has opened up so much for me in terms of friendships and communities that I I didn't insert myself in before. And that's what led to this friendship and something that I've been kind of trying to better understand myself. It's like, okay, where do I fit in, in, in the Jewish community in South Florida? And like what parts of Judaism really, really speak to like my soul and like how I want to show up in life and how I want to be of service. And I love the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago talking about how, you know, the root of Judaism is being a good person. And I also loved how we talked about how much spirituality, you know, through the Kabbalah is part of Judaism. And that's something that you're passionate about bringing back to a lot of Jewish lives, especially here in, in South Florida and, and other places within the States. Can you speak a little bit about the the aspects of spirituality that are in Judaism and what those look like? Yeah. So uh, just to preface, when I went on birthright at 20 years old, I was a total Hebrew school dropout that didn't know anything much about Judaism. And so the knowledge that I have is knowledge that I've gained over the past six years, really. Mm. And so especially like this, this concept of what we were talking about, that um, it's never too late to start. I was embraced by some really wonderful educators that also felt that way and said, it's never too late to start on your Jewish journey and we're mm. going to teach you everything that we can teach you. And there's so many um so many people that are a part of the jewish community that are raised in jewish families that then seek elsewhere for spirituality they'll mm. look into buddhism they'll look into other mindfulness practices because they don't think that that exists in judaism and i think part of it definitely does exist and i think part of it is the reason that we think it doesn't exist is because the Kabbalah, which is the, which is the spiritual, um, the deep spirituality of Judaism, traditionally was only learned by men who are over the age of 40. Essentially, mm. that you have to be at a certain level in your education in order to unlock the spiritual uh, wisdom of Judaism. And a lot of people are like, no, 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 that's not going <laughs> to work. There's this really cool spiritual wisdom that we need to unlock. Let's unlock it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so everything that, and, and I think, you know, I think that all of us find our things that become our value system, become our, our path that we want to follow and whatever we find that works for us is the right thing for us to stick with. Mm. Um, I think that a lot of people wind up leaving Judaism because they just don't know it exists, not because they've tried the spiritual side or the mindfulness side of Judaism and they're like, oh, this just isn't for me. But rather, mm. we don't educate on it. We don't, we don't share that this is something that does exist. And so... Um, if you think about all of the prayers that are said, right? So in the morning, um, the first prayer that we're, we're supposed to say when we wake up is the Mode Ani. And Mode for male, Moda for, uh, for women, Hebrew is a gendered language, um, literally means grateful am I mm. right so the first thing we do when we wake up and open our eyes 
is say grateful am I. And we don't say I am grateful. Mm. We say grateful first and then am I. And that is, I mean, that alone is such a beautiful way to open your eyes and think about what are all these things that I'm grateful for that I have in front of me, that mm. that I have woken up, that I can be grateful to be alive, right? And so that's just like, that's one of the, you know, one of the things that, that there's certainly been more of a, a spiritual spin on, um, especially during this time. And right. there's a whole series of morning blessings that we say. And I will tell you, as somebody who still gets pretty intimidated by Hebrew, a lot of times the Hebrew, what the Hebrew says doesn't necessarily resonate with me right mm. like the specific words i don't particularly care for the masculine imagery of god like that mm-hmm. god is a lord or god is a king you know words like melech in hebrew which means king mm. um some more spiritual communities will change melech to ruach mm. and ruach means spirit nice um and so that's that's just the so what i was saying is that if we take the um the essence of what these prayers are saying right so if a prayer is saying that i am grateful to um actually let me let me pull up these um morning blessings and because there's some some english and i did a i actually did a workshop with um, with my job, we were doing this Jewish learning, mm-hmm. and the idea was let's take these prayers, these blessings that we say in the morning, and really make it relevant to what we find and meaning in, right? Mm. So one of the prayers that we say is in in the morning. These are the morning blessings. Is um, is Baruch Olam Pokeach Ivrim which means blessed are you our god hidden presence of the world who opens the eyes of the blind Hmm. Um, hidden presence of the world is something that the translator of this prayer adds in which i really resonate with i love that um and we're saying thank you for opening the eyes of the blind so how can we take these words right and really make it relevant to us right so the person that i was studying with we said how about you close your eyes and then open them again and take in all the color Mm. you know that like post meditation after you've had your eyes closed and then the person that's guiding you on a meditation or if you're just meditating yourself you open your eyes and there's a vividness to the world that is like no other yeah well that can be with you know with the intention that can be something that's a jewish way of you know like looking at something and saying oh this is connected to this prayer and so let me be grateful for all that i can see the colors that i can see Mm. um and so that is sort of a way to make it a little bit more spiritual right taking taking out this this language this this ancient language that is beautiful and has so much meaning in it but also can feel very far from americans especially Mm -hmm. um you know in if if you grew up going to hebrew school depending on the denomination of judaism you might have grown up um learning how to read hebrew but you never actually learned what it meant Mm. which is also really strange to me and then you know how to read the blessings, right. but you don't know what they mean. And if you don't, mm. without the translation, and if you don't know what they mean without the translation, and if you don't know what it is and it's like original tongue and how it's intended, and Hebrew is also a very purposeful language, right? They say that in the Torah, every single word is on purpose. Mm. And so um, by being able to understand it, in its 
original text, there's certain things that we can just unlock that perhaps through an English translation we can't. Mm. Uh, but that's more I'm still working on my Hebrew so I haven't gotten totally to the the unlocking of the language yet but one day yeah hey like you said we're, we're always learning and thank you so much for sharing that because one of the the biggest things that stuck out for me is how you know maybe some people when they're growing up and they're learning Hebrew they're learning it more so to memorize it so that they can repeat whatever it is that they get to repeat as opposed to really understanding what it is that these words really mean and embodying it because when you really understand and embody it now it can actually bring so much more meaning and so much more fulfillment to the words that you are not only speaking but also feeling right and i think that happens to all different types of people, um, whether it's in religion or or elsewhere, where it's like, okay, if I'm quote unquote being like forced to just memorize this thing, you know, it's not going to be, I'm not probably not going to remember it later on, and it's not going to be as important to me. Right. Whereas when someone's really learning it to understand and embody it, there now becomes a relationship with the words and the meanings that a person can bring to their their day-to-day life yeah. and i love i really love how you broke down and like changed the words of you know from like this just the masculine form to like these all-inclusive forms because i think it makes it a lot more real for people and i love how in that prayer that first one it's all about gratitude and then also presence like being able to open your eyes and be like wow i am right here right now in this present moment and that's not a lot of things that or i make up that's not how a lot of jewish people look at it right like they don't see like the beauty of this world that's all around them and at their fingertips at all time it's more so rooted in like the okay i gotta do this i gotta do that which isn't exclusive to judaism i think it's just you know most adults uh nowadays are just very focused on like all right, what's the next task? What's the next task? We go what on I autopilot, get done? right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and I'm really excited because I know you didn't say this yet here, but tell us more about what your grad school endeavors are because I'm super hyped. <laughs> and then kind of what sparked that for you to, to go on that path and what are you hoping to bring? Just what are you hoping to bring after that experience or with that experience? So I'm currently applying to rabbinical school. The application is due this week. So um, my hope is that nothing is guaranteed, right? So I can't necessarily say that I'm definitely going because I need to be accepted first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be uh, five years of learning to become a rabbi. And... I think that so rabbi rabbi means teacher and sort of like your um like your your spiritual teacher, right? Your spiritual guide, your whatever that may be and what I really hope to do, I mean at so at this point before going to school, before getting all of the education that I will receive and um, having internship opportunities and all of that, I really love the idea of working with the young adult population, Mm. um, especially because I've met so many people who are like me that are Hebrew school dropouts and later in life realize that the beauty of Judaism was kind of robbed from them in their Hebrew school experiences. And so how can we as adults who are now sort of figuring out our own values, frame it with Judaism, frame it with our history, the history of our people, the, our lineage, our tradition, um, in a way that, that resonates with what, 
like how we want to live our life, right? So I talked a little bit about um, the morning blessings, but really all of the blessings that we say in Judaism are a gratitude practice. Like Mm. Judaism at its core is one big gratitude practice. Mm. And it's this idea of, you know, there's, and, and there's a lot of blessings. So there's like, and, and, also, um, for anyone who might be listening and unfamiliar, most people that don't identify as Orthodox or modern Orthodox or with a more religious um, sect of Judaism probably don't do the majority of these blessings every day. Uh, but there's like a blessing that we say before drinking water. I don't know it. Uh, and the idea is like, take a pause before you're about to mm. consume the liquid that's going to nourish your soul, like nourish your body in order to allow you to get on through the day, right? And there's also this concept in Judaism, um, keva and kavana. There's sort of these, they come from the same root and keva is practice and kavana is our intention And so there's a lot of times where we do things, we just do the keva, we just do the practice, we just say the prayer to say the prayer. Mm. And again, it's sort of like that autopilot, right? But if we take a step back and say, okay, how is this serving me? Like, what is my kavana? What is is my intention? How can I look at this in a way that is relevant to my life, right? Mm. What does waking up in the morning and saying grateful am I do for myself Mm. right instead of just the the autopilot of saying I know this is something I need to say but rather saying this is something I get to say and I'm so excited to say because it allows me to open my mind and begin my day with gratitude right um that I think that we we become just more self-aware, more spiritual beings. And for those, for individuals that want that to be, like that want to, to connect their, who they are and, and root their value system in something that is, has been passed down through their lineage, you know, then this is a great way to modernize it, you know, to make it relevant to us. There's um, this really wonderful book called Here All Along by Sarah Hurwitz. And mm, I'm about four chapters in. Oh my gosh, are you loving it? Oh, I love it. It's amazing. Yeah, so it's so good. And it's essentially, um, I had the pleasure of spending a weekend with Sarah, um, nice. who was Michelle Obama's head speechwriter, wrote... Uh, during the Obama administration, after afterwards, she decided to write a book about Judaism that makes no assumptions about the Jewish knowledge that you might already have. Because a mm. lot of the resources that are out there assume that you have some level of Jewish knowledge, and then you're sort of like, oh, well, I, wh- what do you mean? So, for example, um, if you listen to any of her podcasts or any of the times that she's been interviewed in podcasts, she'll say, for example, you know, the um, you'll start reading and it'll talk about the time of the second temple. But then if you don't have that foundational knowledge, you might say, wait a second, what's the second temple? And <laughs> the second temple, that probably means there was a first temple. So what happened to the first temple? Right. And so she does a really excellent job of giving the foundational knowledge that you might need to actually understand um, everything, right? To to not feel like, oh, I don't have that foundational knowledge, so I can't continue learning. Mm. And one of the things that she talks about um, in the book, and you, you might, if you're four chapters in, you might... Um, you might have already read this, but she she paints this beautiful image of saying, you know, like... You go to a library and in this library, there's all of these books and these there's all these books that are sort of calling out to you that feel like you might want to read them. And then in the back section, all the way, like on the opposite side of where you thought you would journey, you see at the bottom shelf covered in dust, this like old book 
that is just it looks like it's it's been through times right so you pull it out and you open it and you see all of these pages are filled with stories in different languages and you keep going and you keep going and you keep going and looking in different languages different stories until you arrive on a page with your name at the top Mm. and that's judaism right Mm. it's our opportunity to take this this ancient wisdom and make it relevant in our own life and write our own story if we Mm. choose to use it to write our own story um and so that's really i think why really why i i thought about going to rabbinical school is is that if i could be the person for people that make makes judaism approachable Mm. and makes it feel relevant right like if 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 somebody can say i can write my own story because they had a rabbi that allowed you know like didn't necessarily say this is what you need to do but rather let's try and understand why this is what we do and how can you make this relevant to your own life Mm. um that that's pretty beautiful and that's pretty awesome because i think you know a lot of people are searching for it absolutely absolutely and and I i look at myself as one of those people and thank you so much for recommending that book to me because one of my biggest pain points when it came to you know really searching within Judaism and 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 making it a part of my life was something we touched on way earlier in the in the conversation of like you know maybe it's too late for me you know maybe too much time has gone by and you know I can't do all of these things that you know all of my friends have done or other Jewish people have done and then after our conversation you introduced me to this book and it is exactly what I feel like I needed like this really blank canvas that starts from the very, 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 very beginning, like went through all of the history for me. Like it, it, it's given me a great foundation to actually build a, uh, like really help me build my Jewish identity and what that looks like for me. And what's so important to me is spirituality. Like spirituality is a huge part of my life because it allows me to connect to something that's bigger than just me and it allows me to include other people entities things in that as well and i love this book because it's giving me the opportunity to really understand where i fit into judaism and where like judaism fits into me and how it's all one of the same Mm, so i really appreciate you you helping me with that yeah yeah, I love that. And um, appreciate Sarah Hurwitz for writing the book because, again, she's a boss. <laughs> yeah, she's a boss. You a boss, too. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Of course. And I think it's going to be really cool to, you know, fast forward, you know, five, six, seven years from now. And you're out there helping people who are these, you know, Hebrew school dropouts who maybe have, like, thought they were leaving their Judaism behind them and now are now getting this new opportunity to see you know how do you fit this in your life now i know you haven't gone to school yet and you know it's it's hard to really understand what life's going to look like six seven years from now but like how do you envision this work looking for like your students right for these people who want to come learn like for me i don't know if this would have happened without a without going to birthright. Mm-hmm. How do you see yourself finding the people who are like around our age who are ready to take that step? Like, where are they? What are they doing? What's bringing them to you or to this space? Yeah, so I mean, it wouldn't have happened for me either without birthright, right? And birthright, what birthright does so well is that they throw you into this totally immersive experience that then leads leaves you with questions 
And granted, at that point, it's up to us to lean into that curiosity and seek answers. But I think that um, a really well done birthright trip is going to sort of be that can be that bridge, right? I think so many people come home from those 10 days and they're like, okay, what's next? They're full Mm -hmm. of energy and excitement. And the hardest part is, you know, I I always explain my trip um, as the strike of the match. Um, You know, Birthright is the emery board in which my match of inspiration was striked. And it, at that point, was up to me to keep that flame going. Mm -hmm. And so I had to do the work. And again, fortunately, I had unbelievable educators and mentors that allowed me to do so and, um, and, and, you know, answered all of my questions and, and taught me so much. And I think that, you know, all of us are going to find what clicks for us and what doesn't click for us in different ways. And so there are a ton of different denominations within Judaism. And I think that the denominations are really important because the denominations themselves hold a set of values and, a, and certain practices that if that's what aligns with you, then you've found sort of your niche community within this greater community. And also, I, I think that there's a lot of benefit of cross-denominational learning Mm -hmm. and analyzing you know seeing for example what might I find from this more you know on I I, my first like three four years of Jewish learning was from a very orthodox perspective and so I learned a lot about the values of why certain commandments are followed and why um, why those people that identify as orthodox practice the way that they practice. Mm. And I didn't necessarily um, find a lot of it that necess- like there were a lot of things that didn't necessarily resonate with me exactly. right. But I think I learned about, you know, like what is Shabbat? And from learning about this this sort of strict idea of Shabbat, it allowed me to, which Shabbat is the, the day of rest in Judaism. It's the um, seventh day of creation, and it begins Friday at sundown and continues on to Saturday at sundown, which we separate it with a ceremony called Havdalah, which means separation. So it's this 25-hour weekly holiday that, we are commanded to take a break and rest. And this sort of radical idea of like, stop. (laughs) Stop creating. Let the world create around you. Mm. Right? Or stop creating and just admire the creation that exists. Judaism, uh, Judaism has strict rules on what that looks like. And from learning those strict rules, I was able to find what that looks like for me. Mm. What does that actually look like to have a Shabbat practice and to do things that bring me joy and feel like rest and relaxation and rejuvenation? And Mm. um, there's a, a really wonderful quote, and I think it's by someone named Steve Buchanan, if I'm remembering it correctly. And it's those which we most, those things which we need most only come, don't come in busyness, they come in rest. Mm. And um, if we are like, go, 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 go seven days a week, that's it. We just continue to go. Like, what are we going to do? You know? Right. Um, we'll never be able to rest. And it's the same way that like, I don't know about you, but I have really inspirational thoughts in the shower or really inspirational thoughts in times where I just stop. Yes. That's Shabbat. It's 25 hours of potential inspiration. And Mm. that's so cool. 
that we can have that because we can just let our minds think and ponder the universe and appreciate and see the world for what it is in its creation, you know? Oh, 100%. What's coming up for me is that everybody could use Shabbat. Oh, yeah. It's like everybody could use this time of not even just slowing down, but actually stopping and taking time to really ingest the world around them and like just be as opposed to staying in this constant doing this that we understand and we try to do as being, you know, quote unquote, busy Americans, right? And all other parts of the world experience it too. And just like you said, how many great ideas come when we are, when we're chilling, you know what I'm saying? When we're, when we're taking the time to sit back and reflect as opposed to being stuck in our experience and like constantly doing, doing, doing. So I really love that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's another thing that is sort of very American society specific because, um, oh, I said Steve Buchanan. It's Mark Buchanan from The Holy Wild trusting in the character of God. And the quote is exactly most of the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness. They grow in rest. Mm. And um, I think that, uh, what's it called? That in other cultures, they'll take a two-hour lunch break. Right. And we will sit at our computers hunched over (laughs) eating our lunch because we have work that we need to get done. But how much potential creation and collaboration can come from those two hours of just human minds together, you know? Absolutely. Um, And so, and like, that's another thing about Shabbat. Shabbat is not really meant to be celebrated alone. It's meant to be celebrated in community with people, with, Mm. and, and conversation and playing board games and like all those, just being with people is such a huge value. And I agree with you. I think that the whole world can benefit from Shabbat. Um, I think it would be great for all of us. The company that I work for now, it's called One Table. And we are a a platform that essentially empowers individuals to establish their own Shabbat practice. Hmm. And it's so cool. Like, I think everything that I was saying in terms of where my values are in, in, in empowering others to find their own practices and find how something is relevant to them that's exactly what one table does like we we support our hosts to build a practice that feels relevant to them in whatever way it feels relevant to them and it's rooted in this jewish practice of shabbat and um it's just it's awesome to see what people come up with and how they incorporate this practice and are with community and bring in mindfulness or bring in, you know, whatever it is that they value, bring in music perhaps. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. And I'm really grateful that I got to experience, um, a one table experience. Um, gosh, it's been a few months back. It's probably sometime in, uh, maybe like March, April, you know, very, very early in the COVID times. And, um, yeah, we're able to, to get together and, and have a Shabbat dinner that I was able to bring my girlfriend to who, you know, she's not Jewish, but for that to be her first, you know, Jewish experience and her first experience of Shabbat with a bunch of my friends I went to birthright with was an amazing experience. And like you said, being able to bring a bunch of people together and be present in that moment with each other and take a pause to just check in with each other, talk about life, like, have fun, like, you know, talk crap and talk about stories and a bunch of different things. Like, that's what I think so much of our world, especially here in the U.S., is missing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited to incorporate Shabbat more into my life. And, and I love that One Table is a platform that gives people the autonomy to do it in such a way that is welcoming and inclusive to them. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, my work plug is that you should host for yourself and start to discover what Shabbat can look like for you. I love (laughs) Um, that. uh, But, yeah, I'm with you, and I I agree. I think that um, 
it's such an amazing organization and I'm, I'm super grateful that uh, I was given the opportunity to work for one table and be a part of empowering people to, to create these experiences for themselves. A hundred percent. I'm sure one table is so happy to have you as well. I hope so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Tori, before we get out of here, what's, what's one parting thought that you would love to leave the listeners with and maybe even a practice or a challenge that they can embark on on their own? Mm. I think what might it look like for you to spend a day letting the world create around you, right? So the weekend or if you are somebody that works on the weekend, the day that you have off, my challenge is to really take this this quote, right? This idea, radical concept of um, of rest and allowing the world to just create around you, witnessing the creation around you. What might that unlock for you? So letting it unlock whatever it will unlock. I love that. I love that. Just be people. Just go be. out there, be, and see what gets created around you. And I, I, I make up that some powerful, powerful things will come up for you. Yeah. Amazing. Tori, where can everybody find you online? So you can find me on Instagram, and my Instagram handle is Tori Round the World. T O R I R O U N D the world and that's pretty much the social media platform that i'm most active on right now i deleted the facebook app i you know like (laughs) yeah you ain't missing out on nothing (laughs) that's true awesome and then maybe if people want to learn more about one table yeah you can go how can they learn more about that you can go to onetable.org um because we are a nonprofit, so it's a .org website and it's one word one table one word, not open table, O-N-E-T-A-B-L-E. There you go. OneTable.org, in case it wasn't clear. <laughs> well, Tori, thank you so much for blessing us with your presence, your wisdom, your love, your spirit. I know so many people are get so much out of this episode. And world, stay tuned because Tori and I have some pretty cool things up our sleeve so you'll be on you'll y'all be ready for that when that comes as well thank you so much for inviting me to share a little wisdom absolutely we can all use some wisdom and remember if you remember anything from this episode take time to just be and relax and let the world unfold around you have a great day everyone